You don't want facts. You don't want to hear another side. Rather sit back and be mad. You don't want to humanize anybody with a different view. Let it be a given any kind of past. You don't want this. You don't want that. You don't want to be cool. Welcome, welcome. Uh, the Purpose Driven Podcast. Alex Cornwall here. And I've got a special guest with us today, uh, Alma Merrill. Hey. <laughs> Alma, thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Um, I've been really looking forward to this, man. Alma, you're a uh, little bit about Alma, what I know. He's a great mentor, friend, coach, just all around great guy. Thank Alma, you, brother. I look up to you, man. <laughs> I have to just put that out there up front. Like, I really look up to you. I'm, I'm excited and proud to be called a friend and, and a brother to you. Thanks, man. So, anyway. Well, we keep being mistaken for actually being brothers. So. I know. Well, it's the, I think it's the beard. <laughs> it I might know. be the beard. Yeah. I think it is. It might so, be the uh, fantastic brown eyes and dark strapping hair and all of the above. <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, let's jump right in. Tell us a little bit. Of, who's Alma Merrill? All right. So, yeah, uh, let's see. Been in real estate almost 20 years uh, in sales, probably 20 or 30 plus years. I'm 43. I, I started selling when I was a little tiny kid doing door-to-door sales. Okay. Um, had my little my little push scooter. And uh, built a trailer out of uh, a milk crate and put wheels on it from a lawnmower and went door to door selling stuff out of catalogs when I was a little kid. I was probably nine or 10, I guess, when I started doing this. Seriously? Yeah. So yeah. entrepreneurship is, is ran in your blood. Oh, yeah. I, my dad never had a job. Really? Yeah. He hated the word job. He hated the word J-O-B. He okay. just over broke is what he would say, you know. And, uh, so he was always, he was always an entrepreneur. He did construction. Um, and, uh, you know, his passion was his family. His passion was providing for his eight children, you know, eight children. You have eight siblings. Yeah. I have seven siblings. Yeah. Eight children total. So, wow. Yeah. There was five boys and three girls and, uh, I was number six. So you're one of the young ones. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but he taught me, he instilled in me when I was a little kid, just, you know, you can have whatever you want. I believed him, you know, yeah. I believed him. And, and, you know, we grew up in a kind of a weird environment, you know, now I'm 43, been in the business, you know, in, in sales and, you know, since I was a kid, but been in real estate sales for almost 20 years now. That's and, awesome. uh, when I first started, I didn't know, I didn't have, I didn't have any business here when I lived, when I started here in Utah. Um, I grew up in Southern California and I'll share a little bit of that in a minute, but, um, I, when I came, I didn't have any business. I had no, I knew nobody here. And how old I, were you? When I started, I was 20, I don't know, three, 22, 23. I think it was 23 when I started in real estate. Okay. So a question for you about that. I mean, you know, not to, you know, jump off here. Cause I do want to know more about your upbringing and stuff, but the whole purpose of, and the reason why I named this podcast, the purpose driven podcast Yeah is I'm a firm believer you need to be purpose-driven in life. Yeah. That's what's pushed me through life and helped me get going and find purpose. Right. I think purpose comes before intention, Love personally. That. Oh, I agree. And so totally. without that purpose, being driven by that purpose, you'll never have the intent to go make your day great or go make a life for yourself. So what purpose did you find back then to jump into sales and and to really go out and do that. I mean, you talked a little bit about more, a little bit about your dad and how he instilled that. And you talk, expand on that a little bit more. So we, we grew up kind of in an interesting scenario. So we had eight kids. Um, none of us, except for the older ones early on, they went to like elementary school and stuff. Okay. I never went to school. 
So really, I, yeah, I, I couldn't read till I was 12. Um, I couldn't write until I was 21. Um, and I remember that moment, you know, when, when I learned how to read and for years and my mom, bless her soul, she's passed now, but she had a condition, um, all through my life growing up, she always had either anxiety or depression or something that was happening in her life constantly. And so she ended up medicating that condition away. And so growing up, it was us kids in the house, dad at work, mom was sleeping in her bedroom. And then we could go out at 3.15 after, <laughs> after school was out and we could go play with the other kids and pretend like we were at school all day. Yeah. And so we were kind of hidden away inside the house all day long until about 3, 3.15. And then we could go outside and go play and be out in yeah. outside. Um, we were kind of in, in an area that was um, pretty rural area, a little town called Devore, California. End of a dirt road. Of, yeah, never heard of that place. Yeah. Yeah, was, most people don't know about it. It's in San Bernardino. Um, really? Yeah. And uh, we, we, I kind of, I kind of just thought that's how, how life was. I knew that the other kids were a little different. They went to school and stuff every day and I had to stay home. That was really interesting to me. You know, I was always trying to find times to go outside and play and I was stir crazy by the time 315 hit, man, I was freaking out of there. Yeah. And then when mom woke up, we, I always wanted to be away from mom because I was kind of a target in the house and she was cranky when she would wake up and so and then being strung out on whatever medication she was on and drugs that she had been kind of addicted to for years and years um you just didn't want to be anywhere now around her you know and so i'd take off go up into the hills spend a lot of time thinking and writing poetry and just weird stuff like that when i was a little kid and i remember even writing songs you know i couldn't play an instrument but (laughs) really yeah i would write songs and lyrics and all this stuff and so my brain would always move. But one thing that I found from my dad is that he always he was always trying to be like a top producer in the Amway company. He wanted to be an Amway distributor. Okay. And he actually got pretty, went went direct distributor. So he actually placed pretty high in Amway at one time. And I remember he, when he went direct, um, he went and bought a family van. And it was the first like nice vehicle we had ever had. You know, we, yeah. we would pile everybody up in the back of a pickup truck or the El Camino and put a shell on it. And that's how we would go to the store. You know, I remember him bolting down a bench seat in the back of the El Camino in an El Camino. Yeah. And it, with a shell on it. Yeah. And that's how we got around. <laughs> and so you imagine like all these kids just sausage, just slammed. And so that's how I got from I was born in, in Brigham City, Utah. And then when I was eight, we moved down to Southern California. And that's where I grew up. But I remember when we moved, that's how we got here was in the back of an El Camino. Are you kidding me? No, yeah, I was in the I was literally just laying in the back of an El Camino all the way here. Oh my gosh. And so it That's was crazy. It was wacky, dude. Yeah, That's it was crazy. crazy. But he did what he could do and he had these dreams and he wanted to follow these dreams. Unfortunately, my mom was a lot of work. And so he would go work as long as he could until she needed him home and then he would have to leave his job and come home and take care of her and yeah. deal with whatever drama eight kids created during that time. Yeah. So, yeah. Growing up, what did that do when you, when you became, you know, older and decided to go into sales, seeing your dad go through that, like, what did that do for you? Well, there's two things I learned right off. Like I knew I didn't want to do what he did. Okay. <laughs> Most people are like that. Yeah. He did construction and you know, I, yeah. I, I talked to him a couple of years ago. I said, dad, what was your biggest year in construction when I was a kid? He said, my largest year was probably about 35,000 bucks. Really? I was like whoa, like I had no idea that he raised our family, you know, just on that on 35 grand. Yeah. And he was, he was so honest and such a good person. He would let people kind of take advantage of him sometimes. 
And it was really sad, but it was true because he didn't want to ever feel like he cheated somebody in any way. Yeah. And so, um, I knew I didn't want to do construction. I grew up learning how to do construction with him. And so I know how, but I just didn't want to go, go there. And I couldn't live my dreams. It always seemed like he was spinning his wheels and I just, I wanted to live my dreams. I had, he told me if I did, if I put my mind to it, I could accomplish anything. And that was my motivating factor, you know, and I loved cars, you know, so cars were like the motivating factor when I was a kid. Yeah. And then now, you know, now it's family and it's freedom and it's time and time with my kids and stuff like that. And you originally, you, you, you started in door to door sales. Yeah. So door to door sales. Yeah. <laughs> we're going back a little we're bit. We're going man. back. So might as well, right? Yep. So I had this little scooter and I would ride around door to door. I pulled this, this milk carton that had, uh, um, I would have, I would deliver my products in this little milk what, crate. What with, products? What so would I, you sell? These little, these little catalogs. You could have these catalogs and you'd go to, door, I'd go knocking door to door and sell household items and trinkets and things to people door to door. And I, Hey, I'm how old were you? I was like nine. Yeah, I was like eight, eight or nine, right? Probably nine, nine, nine or ten. And that was the first time you had ever experienced entrepreneurship, job, right? What made you want to do that at nine years old? I wanted a better bike. You know, I was like, that was your purpose. My purpose at that point was I just wanted a nice bike. You just wanted a nice bike. Yeah. Did you get your bike? Yeah, yeah. It was a Schwinn Predator BMX bike. I love it. It was nice. I love it. It was really. I think I sold it like two years later when I outgrew it. I sold it for like six hundred bucks. Wow. So you made some money on it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tons. I think I bought it for like 200 bucks and then sold it for six. I love it. And then by the time I was 15, I saved money and bought a car. And then by the time I was, you know, 17, I was managing a theme park and (laughs) 17. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like my, my first job. Well, more 18. I think it was at 18 when I got the management job, but did a lot of your success in the morning come from you wanting to get out of the house and get away from your mom? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Expand on that. Well, if, if you were there when she was awake, then you were either, you were in trouble or there were, she'd find some reason. And my, my older siblings, they didn't know this stuff. Like when I was a kid, like we kind of didn't talk about it very much. And so just, it, it's only been recent years that I started to talk about some of the abuse and some of the neglect and stuff like that from my mom. Yeah. So we would just try to, we would just try to stay away from mom as much as possible. Okay. So the, the younger siblings got a lot more of like that neglect and abuse and, yeah. you know, I, you know, I was hit and pulled my, you know, pulled down the hall by my ear and, you know, she'd hit me with brooms or whatever and, uh, and punt and slap me. And I mean, it was, it was wow. pretty significant. Yeah. And it took you this long just to get to the point where to even talk about it. Yeah. And when I brought it up, my siblings were like, what? Like my older siblings, they're like, what? And then my younger siblings were like, okay, yeah. so they felt it too yeah oh yeah mom did do that it's true but we grew up like not talking about it you know like nobody wanted to talk about it everyone wanted to shut shut their mouths and shut off the story and didn't want to rethink and re-talk about it yeah and so until i started speaking up and saying dude when dad was at work mom was mean and i remember mom would lie about us just to get dad to discipline us when he got home really yeah she'd make up stories about stuff we did and we're like we didn't do that. Like, why are you lying? Mom, Dad, mom's a liar. Don't you call my wife a liar. And he'd wow. full on back her up. And it was frustrating when we were kids. And dude, when I was 17, I ran away from home and never looked back. And I just started doing my own thing. So you were out of the house by 17? Yeah. Uh, at, and you mentioned you were managing an amusement park. 
Yeah. At that time. So what happened was at 15 and a half in California, I got my work, my work permit. Okay. And so, and, and I got a driver's, uh, like learner's permit to drive. So as soon as I hit 16, I was driving myself to work and had a job at an amusement park. And then by the time I was about 17 and a half, um, I quit that job and went over to another amusement park that had just opened up. Okay. And this is an interesting story. So I walk into this amusement park and I go up to the front desk and I said, Hey, is your owner here? And she's like, well, no, he's not, but do you have an appointment? And I'm like, well, I really need to speak to the owner. And she's like, well, you have to have an appointment to speak with him. And I go, um, this is really important if you can have him. And she goes, he's not here, but his brother's here. And I said, what is he? And she goes, he's like assistant manager. I'm all perfect. So I go in, I sit down with this guy and uh, his name's Ron Woodhouse. Nicest guy ever, dude. It's the coolest cat. His sure. brother, Rich was a little more stern, you know, yeah. the owner, but his brother, uh, Ron was cool. And I walk in and I knock on this guy's door and just like this office. And I walk in, and I'm like, hi, my name's Alma. Can I speak to you for a sec? He's like, sure. Come on in. Very welcoming, you know? And yeah. He goes, he goes, so yeah, what, what do you need? And I said, I, I'm here to, to apply for a job. And he goes, what kind of job? I said, management. And he goes, Oh, really? Okay. Well, I mean, we have applications. I said, it's a little more important than that. He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, I could turn in an application, but don't you feel like if we met in person, you'd really know who I am? And then you won't have to weed through all of these other applications. And he goes, <laughs> well, probably, yeah, that makes sense to me, you know? And so I said, well, can I share with you a little bit of my experience? So at that point, I had almost three years of experience working at this other amusement park. I could run rides. I knew how the management system worked. I knew how scheduling worked, everything. Yeah. Janitorial, everything. And so I said, look, I said, I'm, I have all this experience. I'm not moving up over there like I thought I would be. And I just said, um, you know, people don't come to amusement parks to have fun. Or, or, or I said, I said that people don't come to amusement parks to ride rides and hit balls and play games. And he goes, what? <laughs> and I said, they come to have a good time. Yeah. And I said, it's everybody's job to ensure that they do. Yeah. And he's like, uh, that's amazing. And what was funny is that was the mission statement of the previous place I worked at. <laughs> you just memorized it. <laughs> I memorized the mission statement. I love it. And so I went and told, told this to him, and he's like, that's an amazing statement, you know? And I said, that's my belief. And he's like, yeah. well, let's try you out. So he tried me out for a couple of weeks and then put me in, in a management position. And a couple of years later, I decided to serve a mission for from, from my faith for the LDS church, the Mormon church at that time. And um and he, he's, I walk into his office and this is a couple, like a year and a half, two years after, um, mm -hmm. and I'm getting ready to go. And he goes, so what, wait, what are you doing? And I said, I got to resign. And he goes, no, no, we need you. I'll pay you more. What do we need to do? And I said, well, I've decided to go serve a mission for the Mormon church. And he goes, wait, how old are you? <laughs> and he goes, I said, well, I just turned 20 or whatever it was, you know, 19 or 20. Yeah. And he goes, wait. I've been having a kid manage 40 employees in my theme park. <laughs> like, <you laughs> he didn't no even clue. know how, how old you were at no. that time. I said, well, I put my age on my resume. Like you shouldn't. He goes, I didn't read your resume. You, you talked me into hiring you, you know? I love it. And uh, yeah. it was funny as heck. But through that, I learned, okay, growth. Mm -hmm. I learned that I don't need to know everything before I do something. I learned that I didn't need to prepare very much to go step into certain things. And so when I got into real estate, that was pretty similar. Yeah. Um, I just learned, look, I can, I can step into this and no matter what my purpose is at that time, it's a, it was a great catalyst for me to make money and then I could have freedom and freedom equaled happiness and joy for me. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what drove you, right? Big time. Yeah. 
Explain yeah. that. Like why, I mean, why was that so important to you in the very first? Freedom to me was so important because I just didn't have much growing up. You know, I was a shut in. Yeah. You know, I was in behind closed doors from 8 a.m. till 3, 3, 15 p.m. And by the time I was, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little boy. I should be out freaking at getting school. Dirty. Well, yeah, at school learning, getting dirty on the playground, you know, at yeah. whatever else. And uh, I didn't get to have any of that. So, man, freedom to me, as soon as I hit 17 and got out of the house, it was like, oh, my gosh, there's all of this out here. I was yeah. completely naive to the world, really. And, I can see that. And so freedom to me has always been my favorite word. Like any anytime I do my morning affirmations or anything like that, it's freedom. I'm think, grateful for my freedom. Freedom. Yeah. I love that, Alma. Um, what about, so take me through your, your, why did you, why real estate? I mean, there's so many opportunities out there. It sounds like you have all the options in the world. Why did you pick real estate? Well, honestly, it was a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> That's usually why the, most people get into the business, right? right? <laughs> so like, you know, when I, when I was growing up, because I didn't have school, I think a lot of, a lot of things I felt like were outside of my realm of ability. Okay. Uh, I couldn't read till I was 12, couldn't write till I was 21 years old. So I, there was a lot of stuff I couldn't go. I couldn't go get into the police academy. I couldn't go be a fireman. I couldn't. Those. I. There were certain things that required me to have background, education, experience. What real estate did for me was it enabled me to learn while I was doing it. You know. Okay. Yeah. Well, a lot I of people, see that. And so you know, I went and got my high school equivalent, which I actually thought when I started to do like the exams and stuff like that, I was blown away that I could do this stuff because my mom would tell me that. You have a learning disability. You can't do these. You can't read. You can't write. You have a learning disability. You'll have this your whole life. She used to tell me that. What that really meant was I'm so lazy ass that I'm unwilling to teach you. And I'm so selfish and drugged up on my own accord that I don't want to put the time into my children. Yeah. And so I'm going to tell you. you are, you are You're disabled. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, basically, she started instilling a limiting belief on you totally and how mm -hmm. long did it take you to overcome that limiting belief dude years years and years does I, it still affect you today oh every day how do you walk how do you walk your way through that because i know and i uh, that's a great point to hit because especially in real estate and in all aspects like i don't care if it's real estate i don't care what you do right everybody has those beliefs that will hold you back yeah and that's a huge one yeah especially having someone that you know born you i mean your mom right telling you you're disabled you're broken you're yeah. broken mm -hmm. like you, you you've got all these things on you like sorry you're never gonna be good enough right yeah and it was crazy so i had my dad it was it was you know if you watch my um some of my stuff i i, I have a channel online that's called closer cult yeah and everything on closer cult is based on the idea of having massive polarity in everything that i do on there so I call yeah. it closer cult because cult is kind of darkish, but then I have a nice environment for people to come and learn. Okay. Yeah. And so, and then I have like 12, 21, everything's opposite. Like when I was 12, I couldn't read when I'm 21. I learned how to, or when I was 12, I learned how to read when I was 21. I learned how to write. And the, on my logo, those are backwards. Like the 21 is backwards, you know, I never noticed that. It so is. There's, there's polarity on everything that I have. And the reason for that is because it was how I learned. Like I learned by default. I learned by, 
um, being completely naive that I couldn't do these things. Because what ha- what ended up happening is when my, you know my mom just told me, look, you can't do these things. Yeah, you're incapable. You can't read. You can't write. You have a disability. You have a chemical changed in your brain that you, prevents you from doing this. And so when I was 12 years old and I was in my kitchen and I'm looking up on the window seal, looking out the window of the kitchen, and I read the I read the words on a cleanser bottle. It was Ajax, and I was like. Ajax, I sounded it out by myself and read my very first. You taught yourself how to read? Word, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And I remember going around, like, you know, if I saw, like, Alex, you know, I go, Alex, Alex. And I started sounding it out, and I realized, oh, my hell, I'm not broken. And I remember just, like, this amazing thought in my mind. I just read that by myself. What else can I do? And I started walking around the house and reading every four-letter word I could find. Probably something I shouldn't have been reading. No. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure. No, I just started reading all these four-letter words. And then I started going five letters and six letters and all this other stuff. And I realized, look, I, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And how can I learn how to spell? What does spelling do? How do I, how do I spell? So... Um, and I didn't have a lot of guidance there. I didn't have anybody that would help me learn these things. And I, I had spent so many years lying about this stuff when I was in front of, you know, people, you know, cause the only, my only social ability or my only social place was church. Yeah. They would take us to church. So I'd be shut in all week long till three fifteen, and then I could be out till sundown. And then after, but that was just with my siblings. Didn't yeah. really have any friends or anything. Never had a sleepover ever. Never had a birthday party. Nothing. None of that stuff like normal kids do. Um, and never had a play date. You know, like I <laughs> couldn't go to somebody else's house. Like it was prohibited. You know, it's crazy. You talk about that. And I think of other people that I know that not raised in that similar, but raised kind of similar, mm-hmm. you know, just, just very shut and, and, and sheltered. And, mm-hmm. and one thing I love about your story is you didn't let that define who you are. Right. I mean, really think about it. Yeah. I mean, you didn't let that limiting belief define you. You got right. out and still accomplished from nine years old to 17, went out and worked and bought yourself a card, did that thing. And you didn't even know how to read or write. Well, I mean, Dave, really think about that. I Dave, mean, that's, that's, that's huge. David think Goggins about. talks about that. You know, he talks about motivation versus being driven. Yeah. I was driven, man. Cause I was so cooped up so long for so long, so many years. Man, when I got an opportunity, I just exploited the hell out of that opportunity. Yeah. And sometimes I did it wrong and sometimes I did it right. Sometimes I was extreme, you know, I'd lie like hell. I remember when I first got into sales and even when I first started in real estate, I was in this lying process where I would lie to people. You know, I'd start selling houses and I would tell them, oh, I sell a hundred homes a year. Right. Fake it till you make it. Yeah. Well, that's just a downright lie. I hate that. I hate that saying. I hate it too. I, I hate that saying because it's not true. You right. don't have to fake anything. Why are you faking who you are and who you need to be? Totally. To put on a, a show for somebody. Right. Like it makes no sense to me. Totally. I a hundred percent agree, but I didn't know. Nobody taught me these things. So I didn't know the difference between like honesty, integrity. I didn't, I, there was, there were a lot of blurred lines because my entire life, my dad's telling me, be honest, tell the truth, follow Jesus. Right. And then I have my mom that's lying all day long. So there's yeah. huge polarity, right? There's follow Jesus Christ, do what he says, follow God. And then on this other side, you have my mom who's like the spawn of Satan to me every day. Yeah. So I was highly confused, had tons of polarity in my life. 
um, and was was very confused by the time I came out into the world. And so I just tried back and forth, tried to figure out what worked. And, you know, now I'm what works. What works is telling the truth. (laughs) Expand on that. So, like, I mean, great example. Like I always tell people and I I coach and I train and I do these types of things. But I always tell people I, I don't. I won't train you on something I've never done before. I'll only train you on the stuff I know how to do. I can't teach you how to be a billionaire. I can teach you what I did to become a millionaire, but I can't teach you how to be a billionaire. That's the next level. That's the next step. So I'll tell you everything I can do and I'll tell you how I did it. There's, I'm sure, tons of other ways and better ways than the way that I may have done it. But I'll tell you how I did it and you can pull from it, you know, what you will. And one of the things I learned is that, man, you always be candid and honest with people, 100%. Integrity first. Be a man of integrity. Yep. I, I love that. I love the saying that, yeah, that I, mean, I know you've heard it from leadership that we're, we're a part of the same company. Yep. Integrity, people, the money follows. Totally. And I'm a firm believer in that. If you lead your life with integrity first and you put people first, the money's a byproduct of that. Yeah, the bi- money is a byproduct of being for people who, you, who they need you to be. Exactly. Doing for them what they need you to do. And a lot of people don't understand that that's value in itself. Right. We think we need to add all this added value and, and provide <laughs> all this stuff and everything. No. Right. Being a man of integrity is value these days. And it's sad to say that our society's gotten that way. But just having that integrity adds value. Integrity is, and this is what I tell people because most people don't know what integrity is. Yeah. Integrity is being the same person when somebody's there versus when somebody's not there. Who you are when no one else is around is who you really are. That's huge. And it's so true. It's it's so often we think integrity is talking to somebody else and like being truthful to other people. Well, how often do you lie to yourself? Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, I love, I mean, we all know Ed Milet. Right, you know, love I freaking yeah. love Ed, Ed Milet. But the one thing he says about you want to build your self-confidence, start keeping the little promises you make to yourself and stop lying oh, to yourself. Oh, how many times have we done that? Like, exactly. You know, we, do we not prospect? Do we not, you know, I mean. Well, even in our personal life, tell yourself, I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. and go to the gym. Right. Wake up at 540 and, oh, well, well I was really tired. I went to bed. We just start justifying it. Right. All you're doing is lying to yourself. Oh, totally. I agree. That's all you're doing. Accept it. You didn't wake up on time. Be a man about it. Accept it. Don't justify it. Right. And say, I'm better and I can do better. Right. Dude, totally. Like it's if, little. It's the little things. That's one thing I love what, what Ed's statement. It's, it's the little things. That's so inspiring, man. Like to watch your journey um, from my perspective has been so inspiring. Like I've, I've loved that. watching your journey and your health journey and the fitness stuff and the coaching and stuff that you've created has just been, it's been phenomenal. It's been so motivating to me. I don't think you realize how motivating it's been to me. And I kind of sit like a fly on the wall sometimes. <laughs> and I think I tell you more than maybe, you know, you do. And honestly, but, I, I really do appreciate that. Cause sometimes you, you wonder, yeah. Are you making an impact? Right. You know, I yeah. mean, I don't do this for the accolades, but thank you. I do this because be honest with you. It's the, I talk about things I struggle with. Right. Yeah. I I explore through it. Yeah. Yeah. Like honestly, I struggle with this. Like we talk about communication, being open, be, you know, I strive to be a man of integrity all day and every, in every relationship that I have, but in my integrity with myself. Dude, the people I believe the most are the people who tell me all the darkest shit they've done in their life. Exactly. And like, like I was with one of my buddies the other day, his name's Dave. That guy has been a hundred percent with me from day one. 
I mean, and I trust him explicitly, even though he's done all this weird shit (laughs) Mm -hmm. and he's had crazy stuff that he's done in his life. I trust him completely because he has impeccable integrity. He tells the truth. Yep. You know, he tells the truth and he tries to do better. He intentionally tries to do better. And I mean, I just love this guy for that. It goes a long way. And those are the type of people I love surrounding my, that's why I love being around you. It's, it's proximity is power, right? You want to surround yourself around people that hold integrity, have integrity and just are just downright honest. Yeah. And just, you can just tell, you can tell when you walk into a room, energy, their energy is different, right? People yeah. that you know that are like, yeah, have you ever walked in? <laughs> have you ever walked into a play like a car sale or I don't care where? And you just walk in, you're like, holy shit, that's a sleaze ball. Let's get the f out. They're like, no, our, our company's called Integrity Auto Sales. <laughs> you know, you know? Yeah. But you've but they're literally the energy is different, right? And yeah. you know where you put your focus, energy flows, kind right. of thing. And I don't know. I mean, it's it's good to surround yourself with those type of people, and I. I'm assuming, you know, with your growing up and it sounded like you wanted to be the opposite of what you're getting in your home. Right. Yeah. And that's where that was instilled. Yeah. And I, you know, when I served my, my LDS mission, um, I watched this guy and he would, his family, they adopted kids and, um, they had like four kids that they adopted out of their like five or six kids. And I remember watching this guy, um, his name was Fortney. Their last name was Fortney. I can't remember his first name, but. I remember him kneeling down at his daughter, Jessica, and she's just little. She's probably like six years old. And she was the one that threw all the fits, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was like my Ava. My Ava throws fits. You know Ava. Oh, yeah. She's crazy. She's just strung I, out. I've got one, too. <laughs> yep, you've got one, too. I've got one, too. And and so that, that was the, their kid. And she was adopted, and she had some emotional traumas and things like yeah. that in her life. And I remember this guy just sitting down, and he got right down at her level, and he was right with her. He wasn't above her talking down to her. He wasn't sitting down in his chair yelling at her. He went, he went up and he got down on a knee so he could see her and he brought her in and he touched her and held her. And he just said, look, why, what's wrong? What do you need? Why is it? And I was just like, whoa, my parent, it was like, boom. Like my mom never did that for me. Yeah. You know, my dad was very loving and caring, gave as much, you know, like emotional support and things that he's, as he could but spread out over eight kids was tough. Yeah. And I remember this guy just sitting there and I thought, dude, that's, that's the dad that I want to be. It's just like that where he can still sit with one of his many children, spend time, fix and help on their level, on their level and help her through it. Not try to bark his way around it. That's awesome. Dude, that's, that's integrity. That's how I want to be as a dad. And so now I find value in moments like that with my kids when I can go through and, and orchestrate or mm-hmm. um, find my way through a moment like that and get out on a really positive note. Dude, that's what like juices me, you know, I think you bring up a really good point too, is you never know who's watching, right? I mean, did he, does he truly know the impact that he made on your life in that moment? That was 20, whatever years ago, 22 years ago or something. And And it still impacts you today. Oh, totally. Just like you said, I'm just, I feel like I'm just a fly on the wall. It's not a bad thing to be a fly on the wall to the right people. Yeah. Especially if they have integrity, be that fly on the wall because you will take from that. Yeah. Whenever I get frustrated or annoyed or anything, I'm with my daughter. I'm like, got to remember how he did it. Yeah. You know, it was like amazing. 
And then with my dad, he was a very loving man. Like he, from, you know, five, six o'clock in the evening till the time we, and he put us to bed every night to the time he put us to bed. He was just this kind, loving, gentle. He's still around, but he's just very uninvolved kind of now with his yeah. current circumstances being remarried and stuff. So I don't see him a ton, but you know, his integrity was unshakable. His, awesome. his desire to help his wife and see her through her sicknesses and things till she passed was unshakable being candid. I don't know that I could have ever done that. That goes a long way too. I mean, if you really think about that, to be able to stick with somebody that's truly unconditional (laughs) love (laughs) right there. Yeah. He had no conditions on his life and he knew, you know, I I feel like if, if she was just a bitch, (laughs) you know, if she was just a bitch and she just was rude, he would, he would have left her. Yeah. But when he found out that she was actually sick and had condition and addictions and all this stuff, he embraced her. He embraced her and, and helped her and he would carry her when she was invalid and she you ended know, up having a disease and died. But yeah. One thing I know about relationships and I talk about mine, I mean I've I'm on to my second marriage as well and the first marriage wasn't a bad marriage. You know, it, it was great. I have four beautiful ch- children with it with her and She's the mother of my children. I'll always love her for that and for the person that she is. But when the communication is separate mm-hmm. and when that unconditional love is not there, right? what holds it together? Yeah. You know? And that's one thing I've always tried in the second marriage, and, and I over-communicate now, and I recognize it. I do. I mean, I'm, I'm not a perfect saint. I'm, <laughs> I can be an asshole, Alma. Believe it or not, I can be an asshole. Yes, you can. So I can. can be an asshole. And, um. But it's something that I strive to be better every single day. Right. And that's the difference. I think that's what your dad had. He, he looked for ways to serve. And if you can look for ways to serve, you always come out on top. My dad, he wasn't a perfect man. Oh, he is. He's not a perfect man, but, and he'll be the first to admit that he's not, but being candid, he always had that integrity and he, and he always forgave himself when he did something wrong. And that's huge. That's huge. It took me a long time for forgive myself. Yeah. For shit that I did in my life and yeah. trying to commit suicide and all of that. I mean, I'm only, I'm only damaging myself and me and it took me five years yeah. to finally say, Alex, I forgive you right. for being that way. Sometimes you got to step outside of yourself to do that. You've, you've got to see yourself from somebody else's perspective and forgive yourself yep. for those things. Cause we'll hold, you know, as humans, we tend to hold those things over our own heads and we think that, oh, if, if I did something like that, if, if there was a suicide attempt or there was darkness or PTSD or whatever, that was my fault. Actually, it wasn't. It's just circumstance of life. And it, it just gave you amazing uh, experience and it gave you perspective on other people's lives. It's a temporary window that, you know, I look back on my journey and my life and where I've the, the depression for 10 years. I, I can relate to your mom yeah. and the depression and then the anxiety and the suicidal thoughts and everything and, and being there and hiding it. Mm-hmm. Cause I hit it. Oh, yeah. I hit it a lot from my, um, my former wife. I hit it a lot from my kids, my parents, you know, getting stuck on Xanax and, and everything. What did that do to your insides? What did that do to you emotionally, mentally like, for you? Again, I wasn't, was I wasn't a man of integrity. I was hiding. I wasn't being truthful to myself. And in all reality, it just a spiral effect down. And it got to the point where it got so bad. I did try to commit suicide. Gratefully, my son, I've told the story on other podcasts. I won't go into it here, but he is my hero. 
he saved my life that day. And I am able to tell him now because I've actually been able to forgive myself. But it's taken so long to, you've got to be selfish right. before you become selfless. Right. It's the good book. Right. I mean, what's the first commandment? Love, love <laughs> the higher creator power, whoever you believe in. I don't care who you believe, higher power. You've got to love and embrace that higher power for what he is, she is. You get what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Second commandment is love thy neighbor like unto thyself. Yeah. We forget that little saying, like unto thyself. Do we truly love ourselves? And you've got to, before you can truly unconditionally love somebody else, you have to love thyself. Right. And I think that's something that's not spoken about. Well, that's part of having the integrity, right? It is. It's If you you have integrity, you're going to love the stuff that you're doing with your life because you're doing it integrally. You're telling yourself something and you're actually following through. And you're going to like your dad and what he taught you. You're going to own up to the shit that you go through and the problems and the mistakes you make. Yeah. And you're going to own up and, and be truthful about it. Yeah. That's and, a fair statement. I mean, really think about that. Mm-hmm. If you are truly a man of integrity, you don't up. Right. And if you truly loved yourself, <laughs> you'd realize we're not perfect men. Right. I don't want to be perfect. Yeah. And being candid, there's a lot of glory in not being perfect. Oh. You know, I've, there's integrity, but there's, you know, there's honor in hard work. There's also honor in being true and being honest with people. You know, there's honor in that. I mean, I remember when I got into the business, I would just lie. You know, I would mm-hmm. lie about, to, but now I'm just so candid with people, you know, like they, they ask me questions. And I just tell them the truth, whether it's positive or negative, And they're just so enamored by my candor, you yeah. know? <laughs> well, it, it took me, like I tell people, it took me 16 years to finally figure this business out. Right. I was too stupid and naive to quit. The same, like I was just too right. naive and dumb to quit. Right. I always fell back into it. It wasn't until I embraced it and I had that you know, that fuck it attitude, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's like, I don't, I really don't give a fuck anymore. Right. I have to do this for my family, for me, for the freedom. Mm -hmm. I have to figure this out. It wasn't until I really got to that point. I stopped chasing life. I stopped chasing money and I started serving myself. Right. I didn't start serving other people. I started serving myself. The people came second that I actually started figuring this business. It had nothing to do with real estate. Right. Nothing. It had everything to do with what am I going to do today to get better? Right. How am I going to improve? Now, the one thing that helped me get through that is there's no such thing as a destination. Just a journey. Let me say that again. There's no such <laughs> thing as a destination. You will never reach your full potential. Embrace the journey. Make love with the journey because that's all you got. Right. Now you're going to get amazing goals on the way. And you're going to hit amazing stepping points on the way. But that mountain will always go. And the day you stop is the day you start to die. I love that, dude. I saw this quote once that said, I will be the best me for you if you be the best you for me. Dude, that's powerful. And I was like, oh my gosh. Dude, that dude. gave me chills. Dude, that gave me chills too. Like that gave me chills. And the because reason it's true. It's true. Because if you can be the best you for someone else, if you can be the best you, it, everyone else benefits from it yeah. in your life. I mean, I look at when my wife's been the best her, how much I am more attached and committed and driven to be part of her and serve her and help her because I want to make sure she she maintains that environment. And it's the same thing when I'm my best me, she's 
highly attracted to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that rule like, oh, wow, look at him type of thing, right? It is. It's true. It is. Because I'm being my best me. And so she's more attracted to someone who's being the, their best self. And so, yeah, I love that quote. Dude, that is, it's very powerful. I'm going to have to get that one for me, right? Yeah. Well, let's go back a little bit. I want to talk about um, your real estate career and, and why yeah. real estate. Um, you know, <laughs> I love our, I love our like squirrel, squirrel, squirrel over here. <laughs> I love the squirrel moments. Um, but let's talk about real estate for a little bit. I mean, how was your journey in real estate starting out? When I first started in real estate, I was married to my previous wife. She, she, I was, I was deliver I was driving trucks, delivering lumber at that point. I was a truck driver for several years and, um, I met her and was totally enamored by her and she was an assistant to a broker and okay. then she went and got her license and did her first deal. And her first deal was like 35 grand. Dang uh, back then. <laughs> yeah. Which was a huge deal. And I was like, what? That's what I made in a year. Like, oh my gosh, what? how did you do that? And how long did it take you? And I'm like, okay, maybe I can try this. Well, at that point, now I know how to read and I know how to write, right? Not super good, but pretty good. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just going to try it. I have nothing to lose. I'm making 35 grand a year driving trucks. It's not fun. It's a flatbed truck hauling lumber and I'm using a forklift and it is hardcore work, right? Every day. And I'm working, I'm making 1250 an hour and working way more than I should every day. Right. So I go and I, I, she puts me through real estate school and I passed my test first try. I was I like, it. oh my gosh, this is amazing, you know? And then I just started making phone calls, started calling for sell by owners because I lived in Utah. I had nobody, no family out here. Like I was an island, like bottom of the barrel already. You know, I had no connections, you know? So let's go, let's go back. I mean, you didn't know what you didn't know. Right. Back then. You totally didn't know naive. anybody. Totally right. naive. Mm-hmm. How important was it for you to find the right environment? The environment was the critical aspect. Talk about that. Okay. So when I first started, I got recruited to this company, right? I won't say their name because they're still around, but I got recruited to this company. And when I went to this company, um, I actually hadn't signed up yet. They knew I was going through school and I got, I already kind of like found this deal, this land deal. And uh, it was probably worth like a million bucks. And I take it into, um, the broker there. And I said, Hey, I got this deal coming up and I'm excited. It's my first deal. And he goes, Oh, what is it? And he takes the paper from, he goes, what is, is this it? And I go, yeah. And he takes the paper from me and he goes, okay, I'll be right back. And he walks across the hall to his land guy. And he goes, Hey dude, go call this guy and make it happen. And then kick Alma 20%. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. And he goes, this guy will teach you everything you need to know. This will be worth it. He'll give you 20% of the deal. Did he scalp, scalp the deal from me? I went, this is not where I want to be. I mean, he just stole it from me. Dude, I feel like it's like I'm deja vu in my story. Dude. It's so crazy. That how crap happens all the time where they don't, where they don't want to serve the agent. They think, you know, the fail rate is so high with real estate agents that they, they think you're going to come out it's just about, as fast as you came in. It's all about your pipeline. Right. Yep. And so the majority of them, he probably went and made tons of money on that deal or whatever. And I was like, I don't want to be anywhere near you guys. This is yeah. my first deal. You're trying to screw me on it. Yeah. So I, I get this call from somebody else and they're like, Hey, you need to go talk to this guy. And this guy calls me up and his name's John. Um, and he calls me up and he, John Rhodes and I call him roadie. And, uh, he, it was <laughs> what a nickname. He goes, Hey, I just want to, I just want you to come check out our environment here. Listen to the broker, just get the environment, you know, see what you see what it is. And I went in dude. And it was amazing to me. The environment, everybody there was like hell bent on making six figures. 
everybody. Six figures to me is like, that's impossible. I can't even believe anybody can do that. Well, back then, of course, I mean, we're talking early 20s. Right. You know, 2020, right? right? 2022. Or, tw- or tw- 2000. Or 2000. Yeah, early 2000s. Yeah. yeah. I can't even talk yeah. right now. No, yeah. Well, early 2000s, like $100,000 is what you strive to get oh, yeah. back then. Six figures was like the benchmark. If you could multiply you, your six figures or whatever. You got to get to six figures first. Yeah. So, so everybody was hell bent on that. So my first year in real estate, I, because I was so naive, right? I didn't know what I wasn't supposed to. I didn't know that most agents make like 15 grand in their first year or less. Yeah. I didn't know you weren't supposed to make that much because of the environment that I was in. I thought you were supposed to make six figures. And so what did I do year one? I made every call every day. I, I figured out how many calls I had to make to for sell by owners and expireds to set an appointment, to get a listing, to sell a listing. And my first year I made six figures. Wait, so you went in and it wasn't about the results, but it was about the trusting the process? Right. Wait, wait, say, <laughs> let's say that again. You trusted the process? Process, yeah. Like, the process. Uh-huh. There is a process. Yeah, there's a process. And one thing I love about it is how consistent were you? Very consistent. Every and one, morning. And one thing I love about consistency, consistency compounds. Right. Whenever, like, take the gym, take calling, take business, I don't care what it is, taking on the couch, eating twist Twinkies. Right. That consistency compounds into being fat ass. Right. <laughs> Am I wrong? You're right. Yeah. Consistency compounds. Yeah. What you put your effort in compounds over time. Yeah. Yep. And so, it, so you made six figures your first year in real estate and never looked back. Right. Yep. And there were years after that. When I got educated that you weren't supposed to make that much money that soon, there were years where I shut myself down and I couldn't make six figures that year. There were years when I couldn't make, I think, I think, and then when I got a divorce and you compound the emotional traumas and everything that come along with that, I'm, I, well, there was one year, I think I made $8,000. Wow. And I was in the dumps and I was so in, but it was cause I removed myself from the environment. Yeah. I took myself out of the coaching you know, if I would have stayed in the environment and kept coaching and had somebody hold me accountable every single week, every single day, I would not have gotten into that place. And, um, and we're talking about a, a market where, I mean, yeah, back in 2000 to 2007, the market went up. It was like what we've seen the last few years. Right. What happened in 2007? We all heard the recession crash, blah, blah, blah. I'm right. so sick and tired of hearing all that shit. <laughs> We're going to go back into it. Don't get me started. Right. Okay. From, but from 2008 to basically 2016, 17, it was a tough market. Still. It was a tough market. But like you still had to work. You still yeah. had to grind. You still had to, you know, grow every single yeah. day. Well, and you still could make six figures. You still, that's what my point that I'm getting at. It yeah. doesn't matter the market. It doesn't right. matter if it's a buyer's market, seller's market. It's whatever your market and what you want it to yeah, be. Yeah, it's going on. What's going on inside here? Yeah. Let's yeah. expand on that a little bit. Well, like I'm a firm believer that you can have all the strategy, right? You can have all the training. You mm-hmm. can have all the techniques, everything. You right. can be a master at something, scripts, at right. communication, but if you're not up here, right. Mentally there, are you going to implement it? Well, here's a great story about that. So, I made $8,000 that year. I'm in the dumps. I'm broke. I'm depressed. I'm divorced. I'm dealing with child custody stuff that I know nothing about. And I I can't make a freaking dime. Like I'm, I can't rub two cents together. And 
Then I have my friend over here who's doing 118 transactions that year. Hmm. And I'm like, what is he doing? What's his magic sauce, right? And I said, I call him up. I said, hey, can I come over and watch you do this? I want to see how your team runs. And he goes, yeah, absolutely. Come on over. You can shadow us however long you want. So I would go up there at least once or twice a week for several weeks. And you know what was so interesting? How simple it was. It wasn't doing anything different than you did in the past. No, it wasn't doing anything different than I didn't do in the past. But I thought some of that stuff had expired or I was incapable or whatever. And this is in the worst market in U.S. history. And this guy is making doing 118 transactions. He's doing tons of short sales. He's doing tons of making you know, making a million a year, making a million plus a year. And and all of his people who are under him are all making money. And he, I think he had, let's see, one, two, three. He had uh, three agents in his on his team and two admins and him. And they were making at that point, hand over freaking fist. They were making money like crazy in this terrible market. Right. Yeah. So I said, I'm going to be more in that environment. And I went and spent more time in his environment. And guess what happened the next year? <laughs> 100 grand, baby. 100 grand. Right yeah, back. It was actually right one, back. I think it was 120 that year. Isn't it amazing how much the environment yeah. impacts your life? Yep. And the simple basics. And I mean, that, that brings a good point too. So many people think in real estate, you have to do all this grandiose marketing. And, and right. in business in general, I don't care if it's like, I don't care. Hell, I don't care if you're selling door-to-door sales. I don't care what it is. Right. You think you need this grand, grandiose pitch and all this kind of stuff, but when it all comes down to it, what are the basic things you're doing every single day? Talking to more people. Just talking to people. That's it. Is it? Well, I, I think it's four things. <laughs> I, I, I never know. You could probably break it down, yeah. Well, it's the, I, I call it the four Ps. You got to first prepare. Okay. You got to prep your mind because without your mindset, are you going to actually do it? You got to get your nope. confidence back. So what is your morning routine? Are you preparing? Right. What are you putting into your brain? Right. Number two, you got to practice. Right. Three, prospect. Talk to new people. So funny. Those are exactly the things I did too. Yeah. Four, you got to present every single day. Right. Are you presenting, finding new clients? Right. Talking to new people. Are you presenting to those new people you talk to? Getting contracts signed. You do those four things. I don't care what industry you're in. If it's sales, I don't care what economy either. I don't care what yeah. you are and who you are. You do those four things consistently. Yep. You will be successful. I agree. Prove me wrong. It's totally true. I knew this one guy who was, um, he had a real estate license and he was mentally handicapped and he would just go door to door and say, do you want to buy a house today? That's all he said. He was a real estate, right? He was a real estate agent. Yeah. Didn't was a man of very few words, and he would just go house to house. Would you like to buy a house today? And that was it. He would just door knock, and the guy made plenty of. I don't know how much he made, but he made plenty of money, and he was successful, and he lived, and he survived, and he that was his business, and he was an entrepreneur. That's yeah. what he wanted to do, and I think it's because he actually had that belief behind him. Yeah, that belief in himself that he actually do it. Yeah, and but, he knew what to do. He he had everything, and he put himself in the right environment, and yeah, we all know what to do. <laughs> I mean, if you really think about it yeah we do i mean we, honestly we we all know what we need to do it's actually executing on what we need to do right and that's where the that's the differentiating factor i think in people that are high producers and not high producers right is they know they need to show up to the office they need they know they need to be in the environment they know they need to go to work right. and prospect and talk to people but the squirrel effects happen and, oh, but I've got to take my kids to soccer and, right. oh, I've got to do this. And they don't treat it like a business. Right. That's one of the things that I, 
you know, being a coach and a mentor and actually running a brokerage as well. Like I have agents and, and you're a you busy know, man. I'm very, <laughs> I have a lot of fun. But one of the things I tell the agents that are under me is like, look, I'm not your boss. Yeah. I might be a broker, but if anything, I work kind of for you in a way right. where I'm here to support you in your business because you are a business owner. Associate it. I kind of, I do the, the association. Okay. Take a subway franchise. If you wanted to go be a business owner and buy a subway, what's the first thing you need? Million bucks, right? I mean, <laughs> you need capital, right? <laughs> right. You need capital to start. Yep. Okay. You would need licensing. You need to go through their little school to learn how to make the sandwiches. You right. need a product and you need a, 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 a place to go marketing and, and a building, right? Right. Okay. What did you need in real estate to get in? Did you need capital? No, if you're, not well, really. Not I really. Mean, you need a little bit. You need 2,500 bucks to get for your the, license. For the licensing, yeah, yeah. A little bit of capital. And then you need about 50 bucks a month for leads. Yeah. And a phone. Did you need licensing? Yeah. Yeah, you need to get a license, state mm -hmm. license. Did you need to land with a brokerage? Yeah. Do you need to start branding yourself? You do, yourself. Yeah, yeah you, yourself. Yeah. Um, and did you need to show up every single day? Because if you didn't show up, if you opened the subway, you did you all didn't that show stuff. That, yeah. What would happen to that franchise? Oh, yeah, it would, it would close. Yeah. I mean, which is why, like, case in point, I, I love what's Subway. The, what's the difference? The difference is one person showed up and did what was supposed, what they were supposed to do. The other person didn't. Exactly. Yeah. The diff, there's no difference. Right. There's no difference in the two scenarios. I mean, you're both business owners. We go into this business. Yay, I'm self-employed. No, you're not. You're immediately in the negative when you start real estate. <laughs> you're at zero, bro. <laughs> you're, you're negative $2,500. Dude, I've gone negative so many times in, the, in my career. Yeah. I mean, consistency think about it. is your greatest tool. You're negative. You're a business owner that's starting in the negative. Right. What are you going to get do to get out? Right. I think if more people looked at it like that, they would have just that high level of success that real estate can offer, that sales in general can offer. Why you know? do people not talk about it then? That's the question that I have. And that's actually why I kind of wanted to start doing what I'm doing is give a different approach. Actually train people and not, not blow smoke up people's ass when they get into this business saying, Hey, you're going to be great and stuff right. like that. Do you know how many people I've told, like literally have called me for an interview and I've told them, look, I love you, man. I'm here for, to help you. Um, I mean, I'm more than happy to, to hire you on, but I don't think this is the right fit. Right. I, I, I think it's funny when people say anybody can do sales, anybody can do real estate. All right. It's, it's open season, but being candid and maybe anybody can, but they won't. Anybody won't. That's the difference is they yeah. won't. Yeah. Anybody can. Anybody can, but not anybody will. But do they have, again, what's the purpose behind why you're doing it? Right. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. I've got, I, I know some guys that, I mean, I don't care if you're selling knives or whatever, you know, if your purpose is high enough and you have a higher purpose, the intention follows. I agree. And that's why I live my life. Be purpose driven. Alex, what are you going to do to be purpose driven every single day? That's why I named this podcast. Be purpose driven. You found purpose in not being around the environment you were in the morning. Right. Or when you were younger. Right. You found purpose. You got the hell out of there. Yeah. My purpose was I just wanted to be free. You wanted to be free. Yeah. And look at where that freedom has gotten you today. Yeah. Because you've stuck to that freedom purpose. You know, and you've had, we've had these moments, right? When we go through our career where we're like, okay, am I, what, what is my purpose? 
You know, what, what, what is it that will drive me? What will give me that? What will juice me? And I heard this quote the other day, this guy said, and I can't remember who quoted it, but he said, stop trying to figure out what the world needs of you. Stop asking the world what they need you to do. Start filling, start figuring out what drives you and juices you and go do that. Because what the world needs is more driven people. Dude, that is powerful. And that is so true. More passionate people. And I honestly think, and uh, I actually, now looking back, I kind of sometimes fall into that other, you know, what does the world need? Can I be that person? Can, yeah. You know, when in all reality, I should, it should be the other way. Yeah. Go do what? Go do what you're passionate about. Yeah. I don't, and, and that's another thing too, is like, I am a believer that you can find passion. You have to take your passion with you wherever you go. Right. So I don't, you know, am I passionate on selling real estate, Alma? No, I actually hate it. <laughs> I won't lie and I will be frank with There's everybody. There's nothing I love about a house. Yeah, I right. do not. I, I the, the nuts and bolts of actually selling real estate is so meaningless to me. It's not even funny. Yeah. Like, yes, I love helping people get into their home and, and the feeling that they right. have and stuff like that. But who in the fuck wants to go write contracts every single day? <laughs> Dude, part of my French, but part right. of, like, I don't. Like, right. I find passion in the people. Right. In serving others. the yeah. business. Right. And that's the whole key. I don't care if you don't, if you don't like what you're doing today, and this is for everybody, if you don't like what you're doing today, go find passion in it and through it, through other people and serving people. Stop. And do it now. Exactly. Do it now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Do it now. Figure out how to get out of whatever it is that's messing you up or effing up your brain. Whatever career is screwing up your your groove and not not allowing you to live your dreams. And stop doing that now and start doing the thing that will juice you and drive you. There was a quote that I heard. I don't remember where this was. The day, maybe I said, I don't know. The day sales turns into service, all pressure goes away. Yeah. Dude, I love that. I and, love that. And stop looking at everybody as a transaction and start looking at them as actual people that need to be served. They're not money. People walking around aren't money. Yes, are all leads, potential money in your pocket. But the day you stop looking at them as money and actually as people is the day you're going to be so successful you're not even going to know what to do with yourself. That reminds me of the concept or the thought of disconnecting yourself from the outcome. Yeah. If you're, if you're not connected to the commission... If you're not connected to the outcome, you'll you'll be able to serve people. My camera just turned off. <laughs> if I get it turned back on for you. It says it got too hot. Oh, yeah. Sometimes these freaking things overheat, huh? Yeah, it may not come back on. Well, you got that one. What up? <laughs> I agree, good. dude. Totally. And it's so true, though. I mean, really think about it. Yeah. Looks like that turned off too. <laughs> Everything's just breaking down on us. The light just turned off. I freaking the love camera. it. How long we've we been going? It's we've yeah. been going fifty minutes anyway. Yeah. So well, we know we know how long we got to do everything in forty five minutes now if we're running the same setup. No, so. I it's these are great concepts, and I wish I, I guess that's the whole purpose of me wanting to do this is to help people. If you get something out of it, great. Right. If you see value in it, great. If you see value, share it. I love it. You know, I want to get this out there and the word out there and everything. But if you don't. Right. Let bygones be bygones. Right. Like there's no harm against me. I'm still going to do me. You still do you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like, totally. like, 
Well, that's it's all about the good. That's one of the things that's really driven me to, to spend more time with you is just, I can tell that you're passion driven, you know, you, you're purpose driven. You want to serve and help people, you know? And to me, that's exciting. Like I've learned, just like you said, I, I don't have any like innate desire or love for houses. I could care less about a house. I could care less about curb appeal and drapes and beds and baths and all those things do not juice me or drive me at all. But when I can serve people, like I just finished this transaction with this older lady who was like retired, her husband passed away. She just had this house she had to get rid of. Yeah. That was totally passion driven to help her through that process. Yeah. I didn't even, you know, I didn't count any of my, I didn't look at any of that stuff. I, I didn't look at commissions. I didn't look at, you know, numbers, any of that junk. I just wanted to serve this lady and help her get through this process so that she could be happy and enjoy the rest of her life. Well, and I think it really comes down to, like you just said, if you disassociate yourself and disconnect from the outcome. Right. And actually trust the process and be present. Right. You'll get so much more fulfillment out of life. I mean, how I look look at people I know in my life where, you know, I, I know some very rich people. Very, very wealthy people, but I actually look at their life and they are so miserable because it's all about the money. Right. It's all about like, I need to make more. This is what I need. And it's like, no, you don't need anything in life. Go serve people and the money will come. Yeah. The money's a byproduct and I don't care, you know, now are those people, are there people that make a lot of money that don't serve? Yeah. I mean, you can do it the other way. Yeah. But- that's not the point of life. It's not fulfillment. And that's, I think, what's wrong with society. It's so money-driven right now. Right. That they've lost the passion in actually just serving people. Look at politics. Right. I mean, there's such a divide right now, and I think it's because money got involved to a high level, and the more we can get people bickering back and forth, the more money I make. Right. Yep. It's fascinating. And it's so funny because money is such a great catalyst to freedom. Yeah. You know, it's such a phenomenal blessing that people can have in their life. Money is such a gift. It and is. yet people, so many people treat it wrong. You know, I have, I, there's, there's some disagreements going on in my family right now. And I have this sister who's like, oh, he's so flashy. He's, he's so showy, right? I'm just living the way I want to live. This is my dream, right? And I serve enough people and the result happens and that's it. I've tried to serve them. I've tried to help them. I don't know why she thinks I'm flashy or I'm showy. I got um, an idea. Why? She's jealous. It's got to be. I mean, that's that's the only conclusion. You don't want you don't want to feel like and your I'm family sorry. is like that. But I'm sorry if they hear this and they yeah. get all offended by it, but that's on them. But and if they do get offended, that means they truly are and we're correct, right? But people talk you down because they wish what you have, right? And that's one thing I've noticed. Like, and that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's happened in my own life. I remember. Two and a half years ago, I was $60,000 in debt, broke as a joke, living with my girlfriend, not knowing, not knowing what to do. Right. No business, anything. Going, hmm. <laughs> March of 2020, the, the, the same month that COVID hit, uh-huh. I had a choice. And I went out and created a life, created, and I am creating a life just like you. I aspire to, to grow and, and be exactly like, you know, to live my life and be free. I love it that you say freedom is the catalyst because for me, time is freedom and I want that time as well. Oh yeah. And building that, well, in the meantime, I've bought nice things. You know, we've got nice cars. We've got a beautiful home. Yeah. I've always wanted to own a boat. I own this beautiful boat and guess what? You're going to have haters. Right. I love it when the loved ones and and people is like, 
Alex, why are you buying all this magnificent or this, this big glorious stuff when two years ago you couldn't even afford it? Right. And you're all because two years ago I couldn't afford it. Well, and that's exactly (laughs) what I say is like, honestly, two years ago, you're right. I couldn't afford it. But that Alex two years ago, isn't the same Alex you see today. And the Alex you see in two years, isn't going to be the same Alex you see right now. Right. And that's one thing I love about life. Is like, I want to make a million dollars. It'll be constantly changing throughout that process. I want to make a million dollars a year. I am going to be a millionaire someday, and I'm putting it out there right here. I will make a million, but I don't give a fuck about the money. I care about who I need to be. Like, I look at my life making what I do today, Uh and I go, holy shit, if this is who I really am, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it, Uh what am I going to look like up here? Right. How, How can I impact more lives here? Yeah. That excites me more. Than anything. Well, that's why, you, that's why, like you say, you're never done. No. You'll never arrive. You'll never reach your full potential. There's no such thing. You'll just be filling your capacity to yeah. grow. Yeah. You know, I mean, the fir- if you believe, like I said before, if you believe in energy, God, I don't care. I truly believe in God. I believe there is a higher power up there. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe God placed on this earth. Like my, the, my most favorite quote is God's greatest gift he's given us is our potential. Mm. what we do with that potential is the greatest gift we give back to him. Mm. And I truly believe that. But one thing about potential, like I said before, do we truly fulfill our full potential? No, it's constantly growing. So God wants us to constantly grow. And he's put these items and these things on the earth, like money, for example, right? Money either amplifies goodness or amplifies your truth. It'll amplify whatever you are, who you are. Yeah. And that's why it's like, it's not about the money. I love that quote, man. I've heard that before. It's like money, money won't make you no. anything. It'll just amplify who you are at the core. So make sure you're a good person at the core. Now, don't get me wrong. Was your life, is your life better making and being worth a million bucks versus only making $8,000? Dude, night and day. I mean, we've got to hit that. Yeah. Okay. So yes, ear to ear. Yes, it's way better. But here's the thing. Money is still that catalyst. So money just gave me more freedom and freedom equal joy and happiness to me. And how much are you able to give back? Tons. I mean, ridiculous amounts. And, and let's talk about that a little bit. Like uh, I do want to hit more on your closer cult that you have going. Okay. And because you're, you serve. Yeah. You want to serve. Yeah. And you have a passion and you're good at it. And that's one thing I love about like following you and seeing your content and just all of it. Like, you're not scared to go out and teach other people how to prospect in real estate. You're not scared. They're not competition to you. You want to see them succeed. Where does that come from? Well, like cults, you know, if you look out in the world, people do things in cults. Sometimes they do them for money, but most of the time people do it for the passion, right? They do it because they're passionate about it. They'll go, they'll go freaking kill themselves and everybody else because of their message and their passion. And so that's nine times. I mean, most of the cults that I'm aware of, they were all dead ass broke, most of them. Yeah. And they, they did it for the passion of their message. And sometimes they would kill people or die or whatever in the process. Whatever that message was. And so that's why I kind of why I did like the cult, you know, is that it's like I want everything to be purpose and passion driven, you know. Yeah. But then I want the polarity of living a prosperous, happy, joyous, servitude life without all the psychotic nature that's associated with a cult, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's definitely passion based for me and, you know, I'm being for everyone else. 
I'm trying to be for them who they need me to be and for being for them who they need someone to be so that they can grow. Because I, I, I wish I would have had certain mentors that looked at it the way I did back then. What is, what, you know, that's actually huge right there. Like, I mean, the reason why I do what I do right now is because of that same thing. Yeah. Like, I wish I had people like the the Almas and my, even myself, like, you know, I'm, I'm learning and growing, but yep. like, if I had that, how, how much further could I have gotten? Oh, totally. How much quicker could I have gotten out of the depression oh, yeah. and everything? And I should, I say that lightly because getting through depression and, and going through that, that was, I mean, yes, people did help me proximity and all that and, and trying to find myself, mm-hmm. but it was those select few people, those, those core people in my life that helped me get through that. Yeah. And you can, you, uh, yeah, I always, I have people in my life too that helped like saw in me something that I couldn't see in myself that's, and then took time to sacrifice. Oh, completely. I, I think, I mean, we hear all these definitions, definitions of leadership. Yeah. For me, a true leader is someone that sees value in somebody else that they can't see in themselves. Yeah. Yeah. My broker at the time, George, he's still my broker. <laughs> he goes, well, he's the owner now. But he goes, he goes, why do I believe in you more than you believe in yourself? And I was like, no, you don't. And then I went, actually, he does. <laughs> Dude, you take that one step further. And, and I love telling, I've told this to a couple of coaching clients I have. When did your dreams become more important to me than they, than are, they are to you? you. <laughs> Get off your ass and start to work. Yeah. Yep. And, and that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good defining moment, right? Yeah. It, if, if people actually, if their dreams are not in line with their passions, then they need to change their dreams. Because some people, they're like, oh, I want a jet. I want a jet. I want a jet. But, okay, the jet actually needs to be the byproduct of your passions. So change your dream for now to helping X amount of people, then the jet will come as a byproduct. It's the great quote from Tony Robbins. It's not about achieving the goal. It's about who you have to become to achieve it. To achieve. Oh, dude, I love that. Yeah. Uh, That's that's really what it comes down to. I mean, it's... I don't care about, like I was saying, I really don't care about the goals that I have. I care about who I need to become. Okay. What can I do today to become that better person to reach that? Now will tribulations, will, will suffering and will, will stuff come in my life to be, will they get in my way right? and, and stop me? Yeah, they will. But guess what? embrace those yeah. because that's what's going to propel you forward. You got to remember you growth happens when you're uncomfortable and the more uncomfortable you get, the more growth you get. It's like the wind. It's like the tree in the wind, right? The mm-hmm. more, more wind that it takes, the stronger it becomes. I look, go to the gym, go do five sets of five, of back squat heavy. It <laughs> sucks. But guess what? Growth comes when that bar's on my back and I'm getting uncomfortable going underneath that weight and back up. Yeah. That's where the growth, I'm uncomfortable at the gym. That's what it takes to build that muscle, build that growth. Everybody needs to read Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. I heard it's a good book. I need to read Such it. Such a great book. I'm going through it right now. I'm halfway through it. Oh my God. It's like 12 hours of on Audible. It is unbelievable this guy is just an animal he's just such an incredible human being but he 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 breaks it down and makes you feel like oh i could go do that like i could go do that and then and then he categorizes what you think is possible versus what is actually possible well i like we were talking about before anything's possible yeah 
Anything is Anything. possible. I don't care what's I don't care what's realistic. I only care about what's possible. Yeah. yeah. Stop living in the realm of realistic. Start really <laughs> start really living in the realm of impossible. I have that written on my board up there. I love that. Just because it's a reminder to me. Are you living in the realistic world or the impossible world? Right. Live impossible. Live impossible. Yeah. Live impossible. Because sky's the limit when you're living impossible. Yeah. When you're realistic and living in that realistic world, you conform to the status quo of society. Right. Oh, I got to go to the 95. I got to go to the job. I got to well, do this. It's like this. So on my channel, um, I did on my Facebook channel several years ago in 2017, I hit a wall and I was just like, I got to do something different or I'm going to break again and I can't do this. And so I'm reading um, Grant Cardone's book, 10X Rule. And he's like, dude, what would your business look like if you 10X it today? If, if you 10X it, what would it be? And I was averaging, like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was averaging about two, two appointments a day when I would prospect. Right. And so I'm like, dude, if I could just do, and he goes, just go do that now. I was like, if I could set 20 appointments with a for sale by owner in one day, what would that do for my business? Like, and for my psyche and everything. And so I'm like, I'm going to do it. And so I put it on Facebook. I put it on YouTube. I put it on Instagram. And I was like, I'm going to set. 20 appointments in one day and everybody was going nuts, dude. Everybody's like, that's impossible. And I'm like, is it, you know, nobody's done it just because nobody's done it. Doesn't mean it's, it's impossible. Right. Yeah. And people are always like, that's not very realistic. You need to be realistic with your numbers. You need to be realistic. How are you possibly going to be able to do yada, yada, yada. Right. That next day I spent nine hours on the phone and I set 20 appointments with for sale by owners. And I took five of them. My follow up game wasn't very high. <laughs> I would have probably taken 10, but I set those appointments and then when you eliminate it, you know, you eliminate the the right pricing and the people, some some people will dog you when it comes right down to it. I probably should have listed 10 if yeah. my follow-up game was, was on point. Now I'm a Jedi, a follow-up. But at that time, it wasn't, people people were, were just ragging on me online. It's, that's not realistic. That's not realistic. That's not realistic. And I'm like, I don't care what's realistic. I only care what's possible. I only care about stacking the wood pile so high that I can choose whatever wood I want to put in the stove. And that's what it ended up being. I love that. Is that it was like, I had so much wood available to me. I picked the ones I wanted to put in the stove and I'd sell those. And I sold those houses, but you, you can accomplish amazing. Now I'm going to probably go for 50. I'm like, and I say probably, right. But now I'm looking at the numbers of 50 and doing 50 for sell by owner appointments in one day. And these are not preview appointments. These are not, hey, can I come by and take a look at your house for my client? That's not what this is. These are full-blown appointments. Really bring up a really good point, though, that, you know, how often in, like, even parents or, or other people, they, they try to define your destiny. Right. They try to tell you, no, that's not possible. You should go to school and get a real job. Right. You, no, no, no. I think I think you should go do this. Sweetheart, your grandfather tried sales and he failed miserably. I would so, not waste my time. Yeah. How yeah. often do you hear that? But oh, how many yeah. people are living in that realm of, again, the realistic life, lifestyle that they live in? They work for the guy and they do all this. And, and in all reality, if they would just listen to themselves, right. that knowing right here, like that hunch, like I'm, I'm more than this. Well, and break those generational curses. Exactly. Your grandfather was, he lived generation to generation thinking one way, break that curse. Your grandfather may have been an amazing person, but if he has generational curses that were cursing him and he thought he could only make 35 grand a year, break those generational curses. Don't worry about what's realistic in your family. You worry about what's possible and you go get it. Yeah. 
because nothing is impossible. Right. Nothing. Nothing. If you put your mind to it. And that come that belief though comes from actually going and doing it. Like right. what did that do? Setting that 20 appointments. What did that do for the rest of your career moving forward? Dude, I had people calling me up from all over the United States. I had uh, like four or 5,000 viewers online that were just commenting like crazy. I had, um, I trained all over the nation that next year at different brokerages, teaching people how to sell homes and how to do for sale by owners and how to build phenomenal amounts of rapport with people over the phone. And, and if you were, if you were to actually feed into maybe this isn't realistic, right? I mean, think of where that would have taken you, right? It would take you down the game of, Oh, if it's not realistic, it must not be possible. And I'm not going to try. See, and that's what's so crazy about it is you made a goal. So I, again, I I got it. I use the acronym KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. Right. Everything has an acronym for me. Like my four <laughs> P's. I've got the four C's. First, you, you had to make a choice, mm-hmm. man. I've talked about this before. You made a choice. Like, I'm going to do this. You got clear on that I choice. Got, I got clear on it. And then I went and got, got accountable. No, you took a chance on yourself first. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't listen to all the other people and you said, you know what? I can do this. Right. That's a big chance. You got vulnerable. I couldn't believe how many people jumped down my throat immediately. I mean, I hadn't even started, dude. It was the day, it was the night before and I had people hate mailing me. See, and that's the thing is like so many people, they make a choice. Right. They get clarity on that choice, but then they start reading into the bullshit. Right. And they don't take a chance on themselves. Yeah. They don't believe in themselves. And that's where the confidence comes in. That's where true choice comes down. That thing's a piece of shit. <laughs> Your battery turned <laughs> off. <the stuff. laughs> Sorry, guys. So, no, but I, I really believe that that's, that's the, the path. And sometimes we're not aware of that path. But, I mean, if you do it in layman's terms, right. you're going to make a choice. Make the choice and get clear on that choice. Yeah. But you got to take a chance on yourself to do it. Yeah. You got to. Just do it, man. Just yeah. do it. Just freaking do it. Just simplify it and go do it. It was like me in this podcast. Do I really love putting myself out there like this? No, because just <laughs> like you, there are a lot of naysayers out there. Right. But I look at the outcome versus the 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 output versus the input. You get what I'm saying that oh, yeah. way? And what it's actually creating. I was like, you know what? I don't give a shit about the naysayers. I don't care if I, if I inspire one person and they're better for it, man. It is mission Dude, accomplished. I got a text from a family member. I'm not going to name names last week. I'm not going to get emotional about this one. (laughs) And he's like, Alex, I've been watching your stuff. I've been looking at it and it's resonating with me. And he basically said, me and my wife, we've been going through a lot these past few years and you're keeping me going. Thank you for being such an example. Whoa, bro. (laughs) Getting texts like that make everything worthwhile. Yeah. That is the impact. I don't care if that's the only person I've ever impacted, especially being a family member. Mm-hmm. I will do this till the day I die. That's my purpose. That is awesome, man. That right there is more meaning than a million dollars a year. Oh, absolutely. That right there. So just be passionate. I love what you said. Be passionate with what you do. Yep. Take that passion. Find that passion. Well, and if it's not, if it's not mine, man, do something else. Like, you know, it, it's, it's not always real estate for everybody. <laughs> you know, if, if real estate doesn't juice you, then get out of it. Get yeah. out. Go do what makes you just come alive. Because pe- the world needs more people that just come alive. You know, I look at a buddy of mine who was in real estate for years, and it never juiced him and never got excited. What juiced him was fly fishing. So he creates this 
company called Flycraft, and Flycraft is a fly fishing boat company. And he's alive, dude, and he's making millions and millions of dollars building these boats. And that was his passion. I have another buddy who created the candle warmer. Dude. Crazy. He created the candle warmer, became a millionaire. He was passionate about something. He put it to work and and made it happen. Yeah. It's that whole notion where there's a point in life, and I think I'm there right now, where you don't want to stop being transactional Mm -hmm. and start being transformational. Oh, I love that, dude. I had a good friend, Justin, teach me that. He's like, and he's instilled it. He's like, Alex, you got to get to the point where in real estate, you're transaction based. Right. You do a transaction, it's done. When you're truly transformational in life, you're making wealth on top of wealth. Yeah. What are you doing to get to the transition side of life? And that, for me, is being in the people business. Right. Who, like they always say, who's the number one person you can invest in? Yourself. Yourself. So once you start investing in yourself, who's the number two person you can invest in? Other people. If you want to truly make an impact and build wealth, impact equals income. Right. So work on yourself. Invest in yourself because you are your greatest ROI that you'll ever receive in your life. Yeah. And number two, go invest in other people. Serve. I was asked people, what is your ultimate dream? You know, because everybody's so limited by what everybody else thinks. You know, they're always trying to like, what will my mom think? What will my dad think? My sister or whatever. Stop trying to prove yourself to those people and start improving yourself. Dude, I love that. Stop trying to prove. I said that once in a, in a seminar where I was speaking and I was like, oh, I'm glad I said uh, like, it just kind of like came to me. It was like inspired, you know? Yeah. And it was stop trying to prove yourself and start improving yourself. Stop trying to prove to your mom, your dad, your aunt, your uncle, your whatever, whoever it is that's in the background that you run everything through mentally to see what they would think before. Cause I could tell you dude, like for me, it's my older brother, Aaron. He, I, every time I do something, I run by mentally what he would think about it. It's fascinating. That is. And then the other person was my dad. Will he be proud of me? So those two people, those are the people that if it, every time I still to this day, it's embedded in me. And if I would have hmm. gone with every single thing they thought, I wouldn't be where and who I am today. So I had to stop trying to prove myself to them. And I had to start just improving myself. And as I started to improve myself, those people that would either give me support or limit my beliefs started to fade into the background. I stopped thinking about what they thought. Yeah. And then my life started to just explode. Do you know what's interesting about that is, is we all know, and I'm pretty sure you're sick of hearing it just as much as me is we're in a transition market. Right. Right. God, it's so stupid. Transition. <laughs> what the fuck is a transition market? It's true though. Our market is shifting. It, it does change. Markets change. It, markets change. They will not always stay the same. No. Yeah. You know, you've got that whole notion. It's a buyer's market. It's a seller's market. It's a transitional market. It's just a normal market. Exactly. Your market is what you make it. Right. It's the effort that you put into it. It's like in 2008, he, he's, he's doing 118 transactions and I'm doing none. Like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. What was the difference? He had purpose behind why he was doing uh-huh. it. It was all in here. Yeah. It was all up there. So, so for those that are like all worried about breeding the bullshit of what, what's going on in the media and everything, I don't care if, I mean, there's other businesses than real estate. If you're a mortgage, if right. you're contractor, I don't care what it is. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on Dude, right shut now. Shut that shit off. Exactly. Just go to work. Just Put, shut it off and go to work. Well, it's it's the it, go to work, but work on yourself first. Yeah. Now's the time to double down on you. On you. Yeah. On you. 
If you want to get through this so-called recession that we may or may not be in, I'm not going to put names and labels <laughs> on it. But if you want to work through this, I shit, actually don't even care, man. I don't know. That's the I could care less. Like I'm just going to keep doing what I know how to do. I'm just going to keep making phone calls, talking to new people, setting appointments, listing houses, taking yeah. buyers, serving my clients, serving my family, serving my friends. That's that's what I'm going to continue to do. And more importantly, be that calming voice to those right. people. Yeah, they need it. Because right now, look in your life. How many people are in your life, especially in real estate right now, the, who are the true calming voices? Hey, yes, stuff's shifted, but guess what? There's still opportunity. Oh, yeah. You don't hear that right now. Right. You hear, hey, you better shit or get off the pot. Because Dude, I, you I don't just stay away from media. That's so funny. Like, I don't, my, mom, my wife will tell me stuff. Well, you it's know? just not media. It's not just media, though. Yeah. It's, again, it comes back to environment. Right. If you're in a toxic toxic environment, and I'm not promoting any brokerage one way or the other or anything like that, but if you go to your work space, right, and they're talking this kind of shit, get the fuck out. Yeah, yep. I'm sorry to be so well, blunt, and but some people it's go, true. Well, yeah, but you can be as optimistic as you want to or whatever. No, it's you, not being optimistic; it's trusting the process. Exactly, and it's and it's putting yourself in a place that is a positive place to be instead of a downer or a negative place because. That's the thing. Like, I don't care if it's a, an amazing market per se or a crappy market. I'll just, it's a market. I, I got into real estate and into sales to, to sell real estate and do sales. And, and to be free. And to be free and to, sure, and to serve people. I'm just going to continue to go being free and, and serving people. Yeah. And I'm just not worried about what market shifts do. And be that calm. Are. Who cares if you're the most optimistic person? I've actually been um, labeled that. Man, you're way too freaking optimistic. <laughs> I was like, why not? Why not? Yeah. Better than being dumb, yeah. Why not? Because there's always that what if. Well, what if it's not a turning market and we all are just over-talking, overthinking? What if? Right. Like, if I put my head down and stay consistent, that's that word that keeps on coming up, stay consistent. I mean, look at back in 2020, March of 2020, when the literally the country shut down, real right. estate shut down. We didn't know if market was going to go up or down or left or right in any way. Right. But those people that stayed consistent made it. Right. Those people that didn't and actually bought into the bullshit. Right. What happened to them? Yeah. And it's so funny being, like you say, being in an environment. Like the environment that we're in, it's so conducive to just success. It's like, who cares what's going on outside? We're just going to keep doing what we well, do. Well, I think we'll it be consistent and we're going to see success. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's that whole concept that, yeah, we may be a part of a company that sells real estate. But the main goal and purpose of our company is self-improvement. Right. We are a self-improvement company that just so happens to sell real estate on the side. Right. That's actually what got me to this company. Right. When the owner was like, hey, I want to help you become the better version of you. Right. Oh, by the way, you're going to teach people how to sell real estate. Right. Okay. Yeah. Your, get, your method of survival will be houses. I can, I can get to that. Yeah. And guess what? Every yeah. method's different. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't matter if you're selling tooth toothbrushes or, or plants or widgets online. As long as you're in the right environment, it'll work. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And as long as you're actively and acknowledging that you need to grow as a human being, you will grow your income too. Yeah. If you put that intent out there mm -hmm. and have a purpose of why you want it. Right. You yeah. know, reimburse your, reimburse, re-engineer your life. Yeah. Reverse engineer your life. Right. Sorry. And think of all the things that you want, put a price tag on them there's your income that you need to buy, right? You need to make, right. And go to work, 
not for that, but for those items that you want to go. If you want to take your family to Tahiti, okay, you need 25, 30 grand. Dude, put that on the calendar. Put it on the calendar. <laughs> put it on the calendar yeah. and get your work. And every time you're meditating and visualizing that, mm-hmm. feel the wind off the beach. I remember when I wanted to purchase a boat, I was broke. I remember I was with, she was my girlfriend at the time, Keisha. And I was like, I saw how much like joy she had. And like, she just loves the lake. And I just looked over one day and I was like, I'm going to buy you a boat. <laughs> Alma, I was $60,000 in debt and broke. <laughs> okay. She just looked at me and kind of laughed. She's like, now you have a $160,000 boat. <laughs> she's like, she's like, whatever. Like that was, you know, those whatevers you get from your wife. Uh-huh. And I remember I was like, no, I'm going to make this happen. It was, I had, I, for some reason I attached to that material item mm-hmm. because I saw that it meant purpose to Dude, her. So it gave me purpose. drives you. Yeah. And so every time I was ever in a boat, cause we have a lot of friends with boats and everything I would literally get, I would always ask, can I drive? And they let me drive for a minute and I was always close my eyes. I know that's not smart while driving, <laughs> but I would, <laughs> I would picture myself and I would really like, this is my boat. Remember last time you told me to uh, drive your boat and mm-hmm. we were out on the lake and uh, everybody hated me because the water was <laughs> <laughs> splashing in. That was not a good day. And it was freezing. Oh and, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> no, but you visualize it. You visualize it. Yep. You visualize it. And I remember visualizing it, visualizing it. And honestly, every time I jump in that boat, I just get that little smirk. Yeah. Like I manifested this shit. I did it. Yeah. Now, is it, is it a journey that's over? No, because there's always going to be constant battles, even with that. But Isn't it's it fascinating it, to the short amount of time it took you to do that. It's because I made a choice, right? It doesn't happen. It doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't have to happen years, in like 20 years. Yeah. Change, change can happen literally as, as quick as you manifest and want it. And your results will happen just as fast. Yeah. I trust the process. I let go of chasing life. I let go of chasing and I just started living. Right. I started just trying every day, just trying to be present. Like, okay, what can I do today to create that future? Right. What can I do today? Like right now, what can I do? How can I be present with Alma today to help me create a future that is unparalleled that I can't even imagine. And I know we're doing it right now. But it comes to actually trusting that. Like, right. yeah, you're putting that energy out there and it will happen. And I'm a firm believer in that. Like, I, again, prove me wrong. It, dude, intention is completely powerful. And that's the thing. You cannot listen to what everybody else says. You cannot listen Especially to what everybody else says. in this business. Dude, if I would have listened to what everybody else said, I would have been, who knows what I'd be doing right now, man. I, I wonder what I would be doing if I, if I would have listened to all those voices. I'm scared. I'm actually scared to actually think. Then again, I've been in this business almost the same amount of time as you. I got in 2003, Mm -hmm. had a very similar situation where joined a brokerage, got taken advantage of all of a sudden 50% of my check was gone. I was like, what in the (laughs) hell? You went to your mentor. He helped you do this. Like bullshit. You weren't available. Like long story and very, very bad taste in my mouth. Went to work 2004, five, six, did really well, did pretty good. 2006, lost everything. I was like one of the first ones because I built my business off of investments and, oh, and yeah. investors and, and all of that. So we struggled. And from 2007 to 2017, it put me in such a whirlwind where I didn't know which way was up and down. But you know what, man? That that sure teaches you 
the gratitude of, of, of being thankful for what it is when it's there, you know? Yeah. But it's, and it teaches you all the growth lessons too. Like I would never take back some of those failures, you know? I mean, there's, you know, it's not, it's not ever a failure. It's only lessons. I, uh, I, I am now to that point where I would never take them back. Yeah. Even going through the divorce, even going through all that stuff, I wouldn't be where I am today without that. Well, look what, look what you have, look who you have in your life now. But, but I'm not saying there's not struggles there in that relationship. Oh, of course either. there always like, is. Yeah. Like I said, I'm an asshole and I acknowledge it. Oh, deeply. We, we, <laughs> I mean, like sometimes I just look at Kate and I was like, what, what makes you want to be with me? Yeah. But those are some limited beliefs I'm working on. And I know I'm growing and, and progressing and we've got, but every relationship has that. Right. But I look back on my, my past going, Man, I'm so grateful that I don't let my past define who I am today. Right. I did that. And when you're def- and you're when you're letting your past define you, you cannot be in gratitude. Yeah. You can't. Your past doesn't equal your future. Your present doesn't equal your past. Right. I mean, so many people say that like you are a product of who you were yesterday. In some degrees you are, but guess what? Today I change. Right. So I'm not a product of my past. I am a different person as of today because I live in the present. I think of all those, all those decisions, all those defining moments that I had in my life that were just a moment, just a moment, Mm -hmm. like a second, just that changed everything for me because I made one decision that took just a moment. Whereas so many people feel like you have to get ready and prepare and be ready and get ready to get ready and all these things and have this in line and do that. No, it was just a moment. It was just picking up the phone. It was just talking to the right, you know, to the next person, not even the right person. Sometimes it's just the next person. It's the next person. And then just getting, getting through the bullshit in your head to where you can actually come out on the other side that day. And it's just day by day. And then all of a sudden you look back and you go like, it's like the, when I first crossed over a million bucks, okay. My goal that year was to do a million dollars. I put it out there and I put it on Facebook and YouTube and all this stuff. Right. And I recorded Mm -hmm. this video and I put it up and I said, my goal is to make a million dollars this year. Dude, I got into that, that year. And six months in, I was like, I'm not going to do it. I deleted all that off of there. And as soon as I deleted it, that's when I started making money. Because I was driven based on the fact that I wanted everybody else to see that I could do this and that it's possible. My heart was in it that way, but it was for me, not for them. And that's the thing is I needed to do it for me first. And so when I deleted all that, I didn't make a million bucks that year. I made 1.2 and I didn't realize I had made it until I looked back on it like six or eight months later. You're like, holy crap, I did it. (laughs) I'm all, I look at, and I, I go into Jennifer, I'm like, you realize we're, we're millionaires. <laughs> like we made a million bucks and then I increased like my, you know, my um, net income over 2 million that year. And it was like, Oh my, or my net worth. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I, I, I did it. I, I did it. I did it. But the thing was, is the, I wanted to do the video for accountability. But then what I realized is I was doing it so that I wasn't wrong. Yeah. That's what I started doing. I started performing every day out of well, you- not wanting to be wrong. You know, you're, you're trying to validate, trying to prove you're trying to prove and validate to other people that no, this is who I am. And when in all reality, the only person you need to validate yourself to is yourself. Right. And, And that's the thing is I just turned off the cameras. I deleted the video and I put, I started improving myself. What would somebody need to be? Who would I need to be 
to make that kind of money. And that's what I started doing in the, in the dark and private to the, so private that I didn't even know I crossed over a million till six months later. I mean, and that's, and and you say, and you said something really powerful in there that I want to hit on is it was a, it was a decision that was quick. Yeah. I mean, I call those crossroads. You can either go this way or this way, make yeah. a decision right now. Right. Cause you got to make a turn. Go. Yeah. You got to go. Right. And everybody has crossroads in their life, whether they're for the good or bad. Right. You know, you done, done something stupid. That's a crossroad. You took the wrong choice. I look back on my life and those crossroads, those were split decisions. Right. They were like, huh, what if some people don't even make decisions though. And that's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, they just gave because they're letting other people in society define who they are. Right. Because of that stereotype. Well, this is how I was raised. So this is who I'm supposed to be. So right. I might as well just keep going this way. Keep going this way. You know, go to school, get a job, all that kind of blah, 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 bullshit. Yeah. When in all reality, like, honestly, I look at myself and I catch myself doing this because I don't know if it's good or bad, but I'll look at people when I'm waiting for my wife in the store following her around. <laughs> yeah, I know you've been there. Dude, I just go wait in the car, dude. I'm like, you go. <laughs> we, we go shopping. I'll just look. And I was like, you know what? You look at these people that are working. And, and at first I was like, I would always be, man, why do people settle? And then I realized that that was the worst thing I could say. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what's going in there in their life. This could be the biggest blessing that they have in their life. Right. Who am I to say, why are they settling? Why are they settling? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was thinking that the other day, I'm, you know, I'm all high, haughty, you know, in my nice sedan the other day and I'm, I pull up to the stoplight and there's like five guys that are in this just beater old car. And I'm like, between the five of you, you can't even come up with enough money to buy a decent car that you guys drive around in. And then I, I caught myself and I went, that was a bad thing to say. That yeah. was a bad thing to think. Well, I, I think about it and I, I catch myself thinking that because I was like, Alex, I'm all, I've freaking been there. Dude. Three years ago, you were there. Yeah. Yeah. Literally three years ago, you were homeless right. <laughs> living with my girlfriend, like not making hardly any money trying to figure your shit out. Dude. But you know what though? The sugar mama is actually kind of nice. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It was, it was pretty freaking nice. <laughs> the sugar mama. You okay? You still got sound? Yeah, okay. we're good. Yeah. No, the, the, uh, oh no, I'm just very, kidding. very nice. <laughs> no. And that's honestly one thing I love the most about Keisha and, and my relationship I have. I, we struggle. Like, like I said before, and I look at our relationship and where we've come, that woman is the f really one of the first per people that I've ever seen that saw something in me when I was in my lowest. Did she, she stuck with me when I had nothing. You guys are so dynamic together. Like being in your home and being and spending time with you and watching how you guys that. play off of each other. The first time I met her when we met here in St. George at that, at yeah. that uh, event and she walked in and I had met you the previous day. Yeah. So you and I hit it off immediately. Well, of course we're brothers instantly. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> instantly. And you got, you, you went, yeah, you got separated at birth and actually went and did a whole nother life. And while I was <laughs> stayed not being schooled, no, um, but, oh, but you and I hit it off. And then Keisha, the next day she walks in and she is just gorgeous and she's fit and she's fun and she's cute. And she's, and I'm like, 
Well, of course, like, (laughs) of course he's got a woman like this. Of course he does because he's so freaking dynamic. And then seeing you guys play off of each other is so fun, dude. And I just love spending time with you guys being around you. It is so refreshing. There's, uh, you know, there's not enough of people spending time together and sitting down and enjoying a, a fire and enjoying drinks together. And there's just not enough of that happening anymore. And pe- I agree. people need to stop that. People need to put down their freaking Facebook and pick up their phone and call people. And exactly. Say, let's link up. Let's meet. Let's have a barbecue. Let's go sit down. Let's let's visit. People stopped visiting. Yeah. We don't visit anymore. Why let's just talk? Why don't people visit? I just come visit. That's one thing I love about this podcast. Yeah. It's like we're just bullshitting right now. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's good stuff though. Yeah, yeah. And I look at like it's missed in society. And I, I and I look at the generation right now, I'm like my kids, our kids yeah. and like my teenagers and stuff, and I don't respond like I do. Like every once in a while my daughter will text me, but I'll sometimes text back, call me and yeah. ask me. Yeah. Keep the communication because communication is where you're going to excel in life. Well, that's why everybody's trying to go so passive, right? Even bring it back to sales, okay? And in real estate, everybody wants to find the most passive way that they can be successful. I mean, is that wrong? It's not wrong, but it's because I'm there in my life right now. It's not the most. It's not the most effective way. Shoulder no. to shoulder, belly to belly, having a conversation, earning people's trust, ha- building rapport are the things that will cause the most success still, even to this day. And it will continue until for eternity, for eternity, every, yep. every time, because people need connection. Yep. It's all about the connection, you know? And, and the one thing, you know, I mean, going back on my, on the relationship and everything, and I appreciate you saying that with Keisha and, and everything. Uh, one thing I've noticed is a good mentor that we both have, George, mm-hmm. he actually told this to me. He's like, why is it? This was an eye opening experience for me. So I won't lie. We've, we've, it's been a, it's been a rough summer. You know, I mean, all relationships go through it, I think. Oh, of course. And it's, you should go through that. You should. You should. It's helping us grow and and connect even more Mm -hmm. because we're willing to work on each other. And for ourselves, I'm willing to become a better human being for her and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And I see that in her. But one thing, it was an eye opener for me. He's like, we go to work and we put all this effort and time building these amazing relationships with clients because the byproduct is, you know, of course, our living and, and everything. And, and we're there communicating and, and listening and, and doing all these wonderful things. But right when we go home, nine times out of ten, that goes out the window. Right. He's like, treat your home relationships even better than you do. I mean, what if oh, you course. treated your home relationship better than you treated your clients? Yeah. How much would that alleviate? Right. And it's just like, you know what? Because sometimes it is like Tony that. Robbins said, he said, love your spouse with the same intensity that you love your children. See, and that's. And I'm like, why do we, why do we have an exception for our spouses? Why, why are we making an exception for them? Meaning, meaning why do we not treat them with the same love, admiration and gratitude and I think, as we do with our children? I think it's because we just get in that conformity yeah of life and the expectations well and that's one thing too is like i try not to have any expectations for my spouse right you know i turn those expectations into into appreciations i turn those expectations into gratitude into you know standards right like we have standards right 
you know, when you, when, when you have expectations on other people and those expectations are met, what's the emotion behind that? Right. You know, you, you, you feel horror, like guilty and, and you start down talking yourself and like, it's not guilt. It's more re- resentment, right? Resentment's bad. But when you don't uphold a standard, right? You know, you can be better. You tell yourself, man, I'm better than that. That guilt comes in. Guilt is a good thing. Guilt keeps you in check to the standards that you have. Resentment is negative. Right. Turn those expectations into standards and see a difference. Yeah. Guilt is a guide. It is. Yeah. It's a guide that you're, hey, you're better than this, man. Guilt is a guide. Resentment will ruin. Yeah. Yeah. And anytime an expectation is a meant, you resent yourself. Right. Or you resent that other person. That's, yeah. It's so fascinating. Cause yeah, we go into think, well, you, we got married and you said this and we, I had this expectation. Look, <laughs> don't have expectations. Have standards. Just serve and love. And have, have standards for yourself and for your, you know, and with I mean, each other. Of course I have standards that she's not going to go out with other guys and all that. Of course. And I, and vice versa. We're not going to go out and do stupid stuff like that. Right. You know, or that's an expectation. Right. I mean, those are expectations you have. Right. Well, I'm talking about the little stuff. And another thing that I've learned too, and this applies in business, I'm a firm believer. We always hear that, that communication is the key to sales. Mm-hmm. Well, what is communication? And I truly believe communication is 80% listening and 20% talking. There's a reason why we have two ears and one mouth. We've always heard that. We don't <laughs> listen twice as much as we talk, right? Right. When did we stop listening? When did we stop just actually sitting down and just listen? Yeah. I mean, on the, on the drive here, I was thinking the same thing. We had this misunderstanding, Jennifer and I, and I just, for a second, I Wait, just, you had a misunderstanding with right, your wife. Right. It's amazing. <laughs> and I was just like, I was like, for a second, I was going to, I was going to logic her through it. You know, oh. <laughs> I was going to. I was going to logic her through her remote. And I was like, no, wait a sec. I, I, I really needed to see it from her perspective. So I thought, yeah. And I just said, yeah, I can see how you would see it that way. And I'm sorry. And that was it. That's all I had to do. And because she had a perception, she had this idea of an agreement or an understanding. And I didn't see it that way. But I, I just, I just said, I, I can see how you would have seen it that way. And I'm sorry. And that was it, dude. It, it ended it. She loves me. Now she wants to make love to me now. <laughs> like, yeah. And it only took that two seconds of just going, yeah, I can see your perspective and I'm sorry. And that was it, man. It's acknowledging that perspective. Yeah. That's all you had to do. Do you agree with it? Oh, no, not necessarily. It, you don't yeah. have to. That's the Cause thing. Because I wouldn't have seen it the way she saw it. Exactly. Yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to agree with everything somebody does, even a client. Do you, right. do you have to agree with somebody no. to have empathy for them no, or to work or with, with them or, or to, to serve them. You don't no. have to need, you don't have to agree with them on anything. Yeah. Totally. No, it's all about, you know, accepting their perception that they have. As long as own. it's ethical, legal, and moral, we're good. I mean, yeah. does it really have to be moral? Mm. I'm just joking. <laughs> 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 we could, <laughs> well, I mean, let's talk about that for a minute. No. <laughs> What's no. your moral versus my moral? I mean, you don't want to go down that road. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> Oh, Alan, this has been a great conversation. Any, uh, you know, I mean, we've been going now for a minute, minute 40 almost. Uh, an hour 40? Yeah, or an hour 40. Hour 40 almost, yeah. So any last last closing thoughts? You know, I, I would I would just say 
I mean, literally just start improving yourself. Look at your ultimate dream. How do you look in your ultimate dream? How, who are you? What are you like? How do you operate? How do people view you? And go, wow, that's the last camera that's alive. How do people view you? And go start working on becoming that person. I love that. Stop trying to prove yourself and start improving yourself and everything else will follow. Dude, that is sound, sound advice that I hope people resonate with and they actually take it and apply it. Because if they did, just think of how much better this world would become if they just did that simple thing. Like stop worrying about what other people say. Right. Stop worrying about what other people are saying and start worrying about what you are doing yeah. and cool. improving yourself. Yeah. Be legal, be ethical, be moral. With integrity. Have integrity. And just go grow. Go grow. Go serve. Yep. More service, less bitching and moaning. Yep. More love. (laughs) More love. Less hate. I I love that. I love that. Thank you, Alma. Where can people find you? Uh, Closer Cult on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. I have a private group for people who want to join the private group on on uh, Facebook. And how do they become a part of that? Um, you just have to basically be a real person and actually have intent, and you and you want to help others and see others grow and progress. You want to learn from others. You know, there's so many people that that are jealous or you know envious or whatever. That this group is not for them. This is the group that hey, I want to help, support, and love other people who are trying to grow and be better. So yeah. go to Closer Cult, learn how to be a closer by. And by, you know, being around other people that do tremendous jobs and have incredible lives closing and helping other people. I love it. I love it. And I'll always end with this is go find some purpose. If you feel stagnant, if you feel like you're down in the rut, go find what your true purpose is. Ask yourself that hard question of why. Yeah. Why do you want that? Why do you want that? Go down. I call it the why train. If you take yourself down that Y train, you will find that true purpose that you have mm-hmm. and that will propel you to a, a life that you can only imagine. Go find that purpose. Love it, man. Okay, man. Thank you, Alma. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks Love for you, having bro. me on, dude. Love you too. Anytime. And we're going to do this again soon. <laughs> Sounds good, very, man. Very, very, very soon. Okay, All right. right. Rock on. You don't want facts. You don't want to hear another side. Rather sit back and be mad. You don't want to humanize anybody with a different view. Let him be a given any kind of past. You don't want this. You don't want that.